Father in heaven, we pray for your spirit now to speak to our hearts. Open us up. There's a gift we need to give at the end of this service. Help us be able to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Gifts for the king. Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. You're probably very familiar with this passage. You hear it at Christmas time a lot, and it's The three kings is kind of how we tend to call it in the standard uh, vernacular of the day, but they weren't exactly kings. They were more wise men. We use that term too. But it's fascinating. Do you know the Old Testament context that the teachers of the law were 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 pointing to here and saying that… that this king was going to be born in Bethlehem. It's actually very interesting. It comes from the book of Micah. You might not have expected that. And it's fascinating, particularly with Matthew, when he uses an Old Testament reference to go back and actually read the reference. Because when you're done, you're kind of scratching your head and you're like, how in the world did they connect that with this? Micah chapter 5, verse 1. Marshal your troops now, city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from, an old, from of old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. You know, you can kind of stand at the position of Jesus and look back at this prophecy, and it makes a little sense. But I think it would have been pretty hard to look forward, and this is just a reminder to you about prophecy. Prophecy can be very clear when we look backwards, but we can get some pretty crazy ideas when we try to look forward too much in too many details. Matthew applies this prophecy to Jesus, the one born in Bethlehem, and he says this is, was the standard teaching of the day because it came from the, from the teachers of the law. They say that he's going to be born in Bethlehem. But now here's a very interesting part about it. This is verse 5. And he will be our peace when the Assyrians invade our land and march through our fortresses. He will raise against them seven shepherds, even eight commanders, who will rule the land of Assyria with the sword, the land of Nimrod with drawn sword. 
He will deliver us from the Assyrians when they invade our land and march across our borders. Well, okay, obviously that does not literally apply to Jesus in that context because the Assyrians were long gone by the time Jesus even came along. But here's what's fascinating about it. You get this message about the land of the Assyrians, the land of Nimrod. Where do you think the Magi came from? It's pretty interesting. They came from the east. And in the days when this is written, that was the land of the Assyrians. Matthew chapter 2, verse 7. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. Isn't it interesting that you've got this, this handful of, of uh, eastern wise men who don't have access to all the same scriptures and all the same things, yet based on a few things they do have and based on watching the skies, they were able to discern that something remarkable had taken place in the land of Judea. Yet the ones who supposedly had all the advantages had no idea that Jesus had come. This is a challenge to us, to those of us who live with all of the advantages of, of how many Bibles do you have in your house? We probably have 30 or 40. I don't know. I don't even know. And how many other spiritual books and things? How much time do we spend pouring over and over and over these things, and yet Yet someone who's never had the advantages we have had, the slightest little thing happens, and their heart is immediately open to the Spirit of God. But the Spirit of God has to beat us over the head for a while to even get our attention. Verse 8, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Strangers from the east who, based on ancient writings and the study of the stars, went looking for and found Jesus at the end of a long journey while, while God's people completely missed Jesus and weren't even looking. It's one of those rare times in Scripture that's a glory moment for the Gentiles. Now, I'm not saying that because, because I think Scripture was written unfairly or that, that somehow Scripture was racist against Gentiles. No. Uh, let me let you in on something. Gentiles were generally pretty bad. And mostly they spent their time persecuting each other and persecuting God's people. That's the reason Gentiles don't get good press in the Bible. My, uh, my ancient ancestors, not good guys. Pagans did a lot of ugly stuff out in those northern woods of northern Europe. And probably yours weren't much better. 
But yet even Gentiles who open their hearts can be reached by the Spirit of God. Reading from The Desire of Ages, page 60, As by faith Abraham went forth at the call of God, not knowing whether he went. As by faith Israel followed the pillar of cloud to the promised land, so did these Gentiles go forth to find the promised Savior. The eastern country abounded in precious things. And the Magi did not set out empty-handed. It was the custom to offer presents as an act of homage to princes or other personages of rank. And the richest gifts the land afforded were born as an offering to him in whom all the families of the earth were to be blessed. It was necessary to journey by night in order to keep the star in view. But the travelers beguiled the hours by repeating traditional sayings and prophetic utterances concerning the one they sought. At every pause for rest, they searched the prophecies, and the conviction deepened that they were divinely guided. While they had the star before them as an outward sign, they had also the inward evidence of the Holy Spirit, which was inspiring their hearts and inspiring them with hope. The journey, though long, was a happy one for them. The journey to Jesus does not seem long if your heart longs to see Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us, come to save us. Come to take human likeness in order to fulfill in human flesh all that we could not do on our own. Doing for us as a human, what we could not do. That's why Jesus was born. That's the reason. God was in on this. John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So this is what this is about. This is what... What Christmas is about, it's the, the, the birth of Jesus sent by God to take on human flesh in order to accomplish for us everything that we had no chance of accomplishing for ourselves. That's what it's about. So I'm not sure why necessarily you came here today. Did you come here today because you're searching for King Jesus? Or is it maybe a routine? You're going through a routine. Or, or fulfilling some sort of cultural expectation. Or, or maybe perhaps seeking a little holiday-themed amusement. We've got some neat things. Nice to see. Did you come looking for Jesus? And did you bring a gift? What gift does Jesus want? I want to suggest to you that the one gift He most wants from you is your heart, your love, your commitment, your faithfulness, Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, 
Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. Now, let me just explain to you what that's saying. The author is telling us the reason Jesus came and took on flesh was so that he could open the way for humans to come directly to God. That's what he's saying here. Because a new and living way has been opened for us through Jesus, through his flesh. No man comes to the Father except through Jesus. Verse 21, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. So I want to just pause here for a second because I want to give you the chance to do what this text is saying. To draw near to God with a sincere heart. What does that mean? Well, it means, it means an undivided heart. It doesn't mean a perfect heart. It doesn't mean that there's, there's not still turmoil sometimes in your life. But what it is, is it's a heart that desires above all things to be united with God. So I want to give you the chance right this second to take a look in your heart. Is your commitment to the Lord and to His purpose or is your commitment to something else? Verse 22, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. How's your conscience? Still working? When we approach God with a sincere heart, He will cleanse us from our guilty conscience and we will be at peace in our hearts. Verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. What is the hope we profess? We have forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. We have the power for new life through His resurrection. And we have the promise that He will come again and restore all things to the way He created them to be at the beginning. That's our hope. Forgiveness of sins, power for new life, and the promise of a new earth. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And then it goes one step further. This next step is, is, is incredibly important. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. I think maybe one of the best things about Christmas is it's one time in the year when we kind of tend to do that, right? We spur one another on to, to love and good deeds. We encourage people to do, to do good deeds. Somebody stands with a bell outside of the Publix and you put a dollar in there. I mean, we're, we're encouraging each other to do good deeds that we spend so much of the year not doing. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Have you said any encouraging words today? Have you just looked at anybody and, and had an encouraging word? Uh, yeah, I know they probably failed you yesterday or even this morning or, or some other time, but 
can you bring a word of encouragement out and not just a word of censure? A word of kindness? Verse 25, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So here's my question. Did you bring a gift for Jesus today? Desire of Ages again, page 65. The Magi had been among the first to welcome the Redeemer. Their gift was the first that was laid at his feet. And through that gift, what privilege of ministry was theirs? The offering from the heart that loves, God delights to honor. I want you to hear that again. The offering from the heart that loves, God delights to honor. When you give because of love, God loves to honor that, giving it highest efficiency in service for Him. If we have given our hearts to Jesus, we also shall bring our gifts to Him, our gold and silver, our most precious earthly possessions, our highest mental and spiritual endowments will be freely devoted to Him who loved us and gave Himself for us. So are these the gifts you're bringing today, the best of what you have and the best of who you are? Hebrews chapter 13 Verse 15, we find these words. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that openly profess His name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. If you got nothing else out of Christmas this year, if you could get this to continually bring to the God who gave His only begotten Son that we might have hope, if you could continually bring praise to Him and then not forget to do good and share with those around you. It's it's the great commandments, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. It all, it all comes together in Jesus. Do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. We're going to close with a song. I'll come back for a benediction after that. But bring that sacrifice of praise in this song. Because that's what this song is about. It's about how everything else does great things for God. Why wouldn't I? You are not too small. You are not too insignificant to bring pleasure Enjoy to the heart of the Father. So bring him that sacrifice of praise.
creation There at the start for the beginning of time With no point of reference You spoke to the dark Fleshed out the wonder of light And as you speak A hundred billion galaxies are born In the vapor of your breath The planets form If the stars were made to worship so light I can see your heart in everything you've made Every burning star, a signal fire of grace If creation sings your praises so Shine. 
future You chased down my heart Through all of my failure and pride On a hill you created The light of the world Abandoned in darkness to die And as you speak A hundred billion failures disappear Where you lost your life so I could find it here If you left the grave behind you so alive I can see your heart and everything you've done Every part designed in a work of our call you gladly chose surrender so alive I can see your heart a billion different ways Every precious one, a child you died to save If you gave your life to love them so Like you would again a hundred billion times But what measure could amount to your desire You're the one who never leaves the one behind The mystery is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. Blessed be our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.